the, what's the saying? Selling isn't telling. And I think that we need to, I think those of us in sales need to constantly, like daily remind ourselves of that because we have a tendency to want to spit knowledge at people and that's great. And yet nobody cares until they know you care. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Hudson Warren with Keller Williams in Bonita Springs, Florida. Last year, he closed 111 transactions with a total sales volume of $28 million. His average sales price was $256,000, of which 40% were buyers and 60% were sellers. He has a five-member team. Welcome to the call, Hudson. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, Love the intro. Hudson, it's so, it's so fun to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm real excited to talk to you. But before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay. Um, yeah, gosh, I mean, I've been in real estate for 13 years now. So um, yeah, I, gosh, what was I doing before? Um, I worked for a bank right before. I also sold cars for a couple of years. And, uh, and then I did some retail work, some retail management for clothing stores. And, and that's about it. I've spent the bulk of my uh, career selling real estate. Very nice. And when you were working for the bank, what were you doing there? Uh, oh, goodness. I was working with the auto loan side and I was like, Good Lord, I was connecting, I was collecting title work. It was a super exhilarating job, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you said you sold cars for a while, so you kind of stepped into that. Now, yes. you have a little bit of sales experience then, so how many years did you sell cars for? Uh, I sold cars for just two years. For two years. And yeah. why did you not stick with that? Why did you not stick with the car sales or the banking? Why did you get into real estate? Uh, I mean... If you've ever sold cars, then you could answer that question without asking me. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely was not cool working like a dog for minimum wage, which is essentially what car salesmen do. So, uh, so don't beat them up when you're buying a car. They are not the reason they are so expensive. Um, yeah, it was just too much. Um, and then the bank thing was, all right, well, let me go. You know, I was in my early 20s. It was, let me go get the corporate job and I'll climb the ladder. And I promised I would give it a year and day 366, I was out of there. I mean, I, I am not built to sit in a cubicle all day long. So I knew I wanted to be my own boss. Um, I knew that I liked people. I knew that I was good with people. And I knew that I wanted to make some sort of difference and I wasn't going to go to medical school. So it was like, okay, well, how can I make an impact in people's lives? Well, I mean, buying and selling property is a pretty big deal. Um, and so that's kind of how I got in initially. Uh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about that first year. So you've been doing this for 13 years, but I want to take you all the way back to the beginning. That first year, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I had like a in-between start. Um, the, the very, just be, being around long enough to know how most people go. Like I did pretty well. The, the first six months were just a big fat goose egg. Um, I, I worked really hard. I just had no idea what I was doing um, for the first three months. And then I, um, I had an agent approach me um, who I had been doing just oodles of open houses for uh, because I didn't have my own listing. 
And so she kind of approached me and brought me on as a mentor with her. And that's when I started to at least figure out how to work a little bit smarter as opposed to harder. Um, and it was, I think it was seven months in that I got my first paycheck. So it was a solid six months of nothing. Um, and then I, it was consistent since then. Um, I've always been full time. Um, so I jumped in without a safety net, which I think is a big part of it too. I, I think that had I have kept the side job, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it because I would have freaked out and gone back to the safe. Sounds like in the beginning you were doing a, a lot of open houses. You were trying to figure things out. You picked up. You were lucky enough to get a mentor. What changed? What What was the changing point or the turning point where you start to find leads and get transactions? Um, learning Learning how to speak to people properly. Learning how to um, how to close. I mean, just how to effectively communicate because I could show up and yet. You know, I think the trap that a lot of agents fall into, and I was definitely one of them, is, okay, well, I did my part, I showed up, now they're going to want to work with me, right? They're going to, you know, like, nobody's going to raise their hand to work with you. And, and I had to learn how to, and, and the mentor that I worked with, um, she's, you know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. She could sell ice to an Eskimo. She was like, she, so she really, really taught me how to reel people in and how to connect no matter what and how to close. So that, that was the change. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. For people listening and they're just trying to get their feet wet, we've had people all over the spectrum that listen. Uh, what what could you tell them about uh, pulling someone in or or giving an offer or getting someone interested in you? What, again, is there any dialogue that you have? Uh, could you give an example for us? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's the, what's the saying? Selling isn't telling, and I think that we need. To, I think those of us in sales need to constantly, like, daily remind ourselves of that because. We have a tendency to want to spit knowledge at people, and that's great, and yet nobody cares until they know you care. And so you, you've got to show people that you care, which comes from asking a lot of questions. Um, the, the other thing that comes with that is that when you're asking a lot of questions, not only are you connecting and showing that you care, you also get them mentally where you need them without having to tell them. So like you allow them to self-realize and make decisions on their own, even though you've led them there, if that makes any sense at all. Um, and that, that was a big lesson for me that honestly, I truly, I have to remind myself every day because I can talk at people like no other. I have to remind myself to stop and ask questions and, and always go deep on the questions. Like I, I always talk about going three deep. You know, when you're talking to somebody and you ask them a a simple question, you know, let's say it's more at the beginning, you're at an open house and you're asking what they're looking for and they say they want a big yard. Okay, well, that's great. What's important about a big yard to you? Because look, they could say they've got kids, they could say they have dogs, they could say they just like privacy. I, they could give you any number of answers or a combination. Um, so you ask them that. Okay, great. You know, you've got two kids, you want them to play outside. So let me ask you this, what's a big yard to you? Describe that to me. Because same thing, these people might have lived in an apartment their whole life, and if they've got 10 foot by 20 foot of grass, that's a big yard. 
they also might want three acres. Like, so you don't know. And you're, you start to place judgments on things that aren't necessarily correct. And I think that's where agents miss the boat and, and don't pick up clients or don't retain clients because they're, they're pushing them towards things that really don't speak to the client. Um, so it's just, it's always asking follow-up questions to make sure that you have got like crystal clear clarity on how you can help someone, what they want, what they want to avoid, what, whatever the context of the conversation is. Now, that's really good. So uh, what I'm hearing you say is that you want to ask the questions and you want to make sure that you open up and listen to what their answer is so you can come yes. up with that follow-up uh, question that continue, as you said, to, to dig three deep. I really like that. I was really uh, uh, smart. And thank you for bringing that to us. Yeah. Uh, let me, let's do this. Let's switch gears and um, let's talk about today. Let's move forward to today. So okay. let's do a quick round where you're kind of giving people some stats so they know where you're at. And so my first question for you is how long have you been in the business? Uh, 13 years total. 13 years. Very good. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many homes did you sell last year? And what was the sales volume? Uh, last year was 111 closings and uh, right around $28 million in volume. That's fantastic. And do you recall what your GCI was? Uh, it was right around 850. I don't remember the exact number, right around 850. Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, that's really exciting. And, and I understand you're kind of in some a growth mode right now. Is that true? Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot going on. Um, I, so I now coach regularly. I'm still in production. Um, so I have my team in Southwest Florida, which, so my office is in Bonita Springs, which of course you mentioned, which is a, is a blip on the radar. It's one exit on I-75. Um, so it's really part of a larger area. So Fort Myers, Naples, Cape Coral, Marco Island, like those are the areas that I currently service. And that's the area that I live. Um, my family and I are actually expanding Well, we're expanding the business and ourselves and we are moving up to Tampa Bay. Um, so we will continue to service. Um, we have a gentleman who's been with us basically since we started the team. And so he will take over locally as director of sales and continue moving that needle forward and offering high service to people. And then we will uh, make, you know, we'll have a start to building our business up in the Tampa Bay area. Um, and then I, I, I coach as well through, uh, through Keller Williams, which is the company I'm with. How far away is Tampa Bay from where you're at now? It is, I don't even know the mile. It's, it's just about two hours. It's just a hair less than two hours. So it's not obscenely far. And um, the nature, you know, so I, I moved to Florida in 2014. I had started my business in Southern California. Um, and it's a different animal here. Um, we're a very transient, at least this side of the state. We're very transient. So, you know, it's one of those places where you never meet anybody that's from here. It's always, they're from somewhere in the Midwest or the Northeast. And so people, not everybody comes down and says, I want to live in Fort Myers. I want to live in Naples. It's, they look in our area. They look in Tampa. Sometimes they're looking on the east coast of the state. Sometimes they're looking in like Punta Gorda, which is kind of the area between us. So there's a lot of cross shopping. Um, and so I think that part of the reason we initially wanted to expand is that we send referrals out all the time of people who are like not sure where they want to be. And so as far as I'm concerned, why not we cover all of the areas that get shot? So that's, that's what we're slowly uh, stair-stepping towards. And I asked you some questions before we got together. And my understanding is you have quite a big portion of your business 
is this agent referral business. And now it makes complete sense because you're having to refer business back and forth, out and back in as people are looking around in your area. It sounds like a natural progression. We're going to come back to that and what you're okay. doing there. But what I'd like to dig into now is you mentioned you made a transition. You started in California, built up your practice and then moved out to Florida. And I assume when you moved to Florida, did, did you know anybody when you moved to Florida? Uh, not a soul. <laughs> yeah. And I get that a lot. I get questions yeah. from people saying, I just moved to a new, new area. I don't know anybody. And my question to you is, how did you get established when you moved into an area where you did not know anyone? So the simple answer is I worked. I, I, I think that realtors get very complacent very quickly, myself included. I mean, when I, my eight years selling in Southern California, I always made a good living. We have a ridiculous average price point. It was all just what showed up. I did open houses and I relied on my friends to come to me. And that was enough there. And I moved here and I did not have any sphere and I cut my average price in half. And so it, I had to work. And so I did the things we're trained to do. I mean, what, what are, what's our actual job? Well, we need to lead generate, right? So I also did open houses I, here as well. Um, I made a lot of phone calls to expireds and for sale by owners. Um, and then I did a lot of connecting with agents because I saw a trend that our demographic was not coming from locally. They were always coming from somewhere else. Well, guess what happens? If you're moving here from Michigan or Ohio, like unless your friends are like, you don't have anybody to help you here. So you're either going to stumble into an open house or randomly click an ad on Zillow, or you're going to go to your agent friend up north. And that's what happens a lot. And so I started to build strategic relationships with people from feeder markets of ours. Um, and so I, I built business that way. So it was just the good old fashioned, like I lead generated, and then I lead follow up. So I mean, that's, that's really all I did. There was no magic. I never paid for a lead. I've never, I mean, you pay a referral when you get a referral deal. I've never paid for a lead, though, in my life. I've never said, here's 50 bucks, or I'm going to subscribe eight bazillion dollars a month to this lead service. Like I never did that. I, I went out and I made connections and I got the business that way. How long were you in Florida before you started uh, working with the agent referral side of the business? Um, I honestly, I, I would say within a month I, I was hitting that because I, that yeah, I just, so I had been, this is where it also, where, where I was a little bit lucky. I, I've always been with the same company and we're an international company. And so I already had a lot of relationships um, just made from over the years and going to conferences and such. And so it started just with people I already knew. And then when I realized there was some meat to that, I started to be more purposeful about getting to know more agents and more people and being super visible on social media because honestly, talk about bang for your buck. I mean, you don't have to spend any money and you can spend very little time and make a lot of connections there. So um, it, was, it was pretty early on. Let's, let's jump into that now. So let's talk about how you develop this agent referral business because my understanding is it's about half of your business. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, um, the last three years, it's been very close to the neighborhood of 50%. Yeah, so that's a significant portion. That's, that's huge. A significant number of transactions, 50 to 60 transactions mm -hmm. a year, you know, four or five a, a month on average. That's pretty good. Most people would consider that good. So let's talk about how you, 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 you talked about how it came about. How did you develop it? You mentioned feeder markets. 
Did you do research into that? And so how did that go? Tell us about it. I'd love to say that I did research. I mean, my research was really just being out there and where are my clients coming from? Um, every person I met at an open house, like, hey, where did you move here from? Or where are you visiting from? And I started to realize there was honestly about 10 states out of the 50 that had a very heavy influence coming down here. Um, we also get a lot of people from Canada and from Germany. Like that's our demographic here. And so it just became a matter of starting with those agents in those markets to, and then what happens is most of my agent referrals come from in some way or another from social media. And so the, the gift that keeps on giving there is that everything's permanent. While that's terrifying for some people in this instance, it's great because I think the reason that it's gone from doing a few deals a year, which is awesome to doing 50 or 60 something deals a year from that one source is because I don't have to push as hard. I, I joke and I say that agents are my farm because I feel like if you traditionally farm a neighborhood and you do it really well and for a long term at a certain point, now yeah, it wouldn't last forever. And yet you could almost stop your postcards and keep getting the business for a fairly decent amount of time just because there's a recognition. Well, that's kind of where it's gotten where half the time I have people that I have no clue who they are who reach out to me direct and say, Hey, I saw your name mentioned here or Hey, so-and-so in my office said that they sent you a referral and you did a great job. And so it started to kind of come organically. And I really, the funny thing is I didn't really have, I mean, I had a system and I didn't, I wasn't really following anything. I was just trusting my gut. And it's just, I've, I've really, it's been a huge benefit for me. And it was just, it's all been relationship building and it's been providing just like with a client, we just talked about how they're not going to care about you unless they know you care about them. And so it's giving, like I have referrals to send out. I have a lot of agent connections. So it's also gotten to where people ask me, Hey, who do you know in Charlotte, North Carolina? Like, great. I've got two people. Let me connect you with both of them. You figure it out. The more that I help other agents get what they want, they're very quick to help me get what I need. And so it's been, it, it's really just about providing value and having genuine relationships with people, just like you would with a client. So I'm going to ask you to, to go back in time and kind of look at your own steps. If you were to uh, try to help a friend that's, say, out in um, uh, Nebraska, uh, okay. in Nebraska, and they want to start getting referrals in from other agents, how would they go about it? You've given us some of the big blocks. Let's get into some of the details. You said social media is an example. How yeah. do you get yourself out there on social media uh, so that people know that you're looking for referrals, where you're at, and how do you connect with them? Kind of walk us through those steps. So there's no, in, uh, that I have figured out, there's no great way to actually put yourself out there like I want referrals because there's, I don't even know how many referral groups on Facebook. And if you go in there and say, hey, think of me when you think of whatever city or state, honestly, you're just annoying people because they're looking for, like, they don't, they don't care. And so again, what it come back to is, well, there's, there's two things. Like, first of all, so it's Nebraska, it's Kentucky, I don't care, wherever you are, like, know your market. And whether it's through research, like true, like get on the computer and research, or it's just, you know, start asking the people in your area, like, find out where people are coming from. Like, you know, I'm a big retirement community. So our stuff is consistent. And yet, 
if you think of certain areas, like maybe there's a new company that's coming in, like you've got to figure out where people are coming from and start there. And it's very easy to look up agents in an area. I mean, that's a quick Google search or a search within your company's website or what have you. And I just started calling agents and introducing myself. And I mean, trust me, half the time they think you're weird. And yet they're usually not uh, upset. Like they're just kind of wondering why you call. And yet if you called through a few hundred agents in an area, I mean, chances are just by doing that, you'd probably find somebody that has a need. Just an accident, if you're calling the right area, an accidental like, oh, you know what, I did just talk to a client of mine and they're talking about moving or buying a second home. Um, you know, so start with making relationships that way. As, as far as the social media aspect, like you, you've just got to start getting involved. Again, it's, it's giving before you get. And so you... What I looked for, and there's, so again, I, I'm with Keller Williams, so we have a lot of brand-specific groups. There's unbranded ones, and I'm 100% certain that most of the big brands have branded groups of their own. I just, I wouldn't know. I'm not in them. So, you know, start looking for different referral groups online, and start, start with watching them. Like, you will find that there are certain people that, like, that is their thing, like you'll see them commenting on all sorts of things. Like if you see that person that gets it and takes it seriously, well, those are the people that you need to get into relationship with so that, so that you can start to build because you can meet all sorts of agents that are, because again, two ways to get it. One way is just by building the relationships no matter what. And that includes picking up a phone and putting them on a campaign, just like you would with a prospect. The social media is different. It's like, who's actually playing the game which all you need to do is spend a little bit of time scrolling and you can figure that out. And then you figure out a way to get in relationship with them. And of course that starts with hello. And yet more importantly, it's going to come from you figuring out. So if you find somebody in whatever in Cincinnati, Ohio, who's just constantly working on referrals and in active in those type of groups, well, guess what? if you start seeing stuff for Cincinnati, Ohio, or better yet, if you have something for Cincinnati, you better make sure that you're helping send it that way. Then you've got an ally. Then you've got somebody who's going to help you get what you want. I don't know if that makes sense and answers the question, but that's kind of how I went about things and how I would okay, suggest somebody so would. I've heard a couple different things and uh, all very sharp. Thank you for breaking this down for us. Yeah. Uh, one of the ideas was you find a mover and a shaker and yeah. the best way to get them to think about giving you referrals is to give them one. So yeah, give them or help them. Like, because here's the thing when it comes to social media and so if some agent saying, Hey, I need somebody in main street USA, like you can speak up. Like you don't have to be the person that covers it. You can say, Hey, my friend, Joe Smith is fantastic there. Or, Hey, I actually sent a referral to Joe Smith. He did a great job for me. You've got to talk to him. Like you can, it, you don't, have to be the one to have all the referrals because even if you're running a huge business, you're not going to always have stuff in every city. I mean, give me a break. You can still help them get what they want from somebody else. They're going to, they're still going to appreciate you for that and be willing, at least in my experience, to give back to you in the same way. And there's, there was some targeting here though. You mentioned initially that you had 10 states that are, have a lot of people moving to your area in Florida, plus you had Canada and Germany. Yeah. And so you also mentioned, let's go back to that. You were doing yeah. some cold calling initially and you were calling into the area, just mm -hmm. generically picking out agents and saying, Hey, how are you? I know this is weird, but I'm, I'm over here in Florida. Do you have anybody moving this way? I'll let you know if anybody's moving that way. I assume that's the way the conversation went. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is that, look, like, you don't have to pick. I mean, and over time you might. And yet, if you're just making phone calls like that, like, you don't have to pick just one agent in Chicago or what have you. You call as many that will answer their phone or answer an email because you, you don't have a relationship until some, until some sort of back and forth starts. And so, you know, you're, you're allowed to play the field. I mean, it's like you're, you haven't married anybody yet. So you reach out to as many as you can. And then eventually probably one of them is going to get it. And then maybe now you have your person in that market. And that's been another thing for me. Like I've become like this walking Rolodex of agents. Like, and I do, I have people, I have people reach out to me all the time and give me the most random city and states like, Hey, who do you know? I know that you do a lot of referrals and nine times out of 10, I can come up with somebody and you know, and it's never random. It's somebody that I truly know. And either I've done business with them or I've vetted them out. And I know that, you know, they're a producing agent and not somebody who's never sold a home before. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, again, it's, it, it all comes down. I feel like no matter what you're doing in this business, if you're providing value, you'll do well. If you're constantly looking to just take, 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 it's when you start to flounder. When you're selecting the, the folks that you're going to contact, again, it seems like an initially, was it random or had you, quote, vetted people before you contacted uh, people in the new market, the agents in the new market? No, if we're talking phone calls, that was cool. I know we got a lot of people from Cleveland. How many phone numbers can I get? Let's roll them into a robo dialer and let's just call. Um, so it was who's going to pick up the phone. And then again, of course, over time, all right, well, who did I click? I mean, just like if you were calling like circle prospecting a neighborhood, right? Like, all right, who picks up the phone and actually engages you in the conversation? Okay, well, this is one I want to keep in touch with. And so, yeah, it was just, I wouldn't say it was random, random, because I would pick specific places. And yeah, yeah, like, give me the full roster. I'll call them all. I don't care. What's the worst? They don't answer or they hang up. I mean, my life does continue to go on. It's fantastic. Could you walk us through your script that you used in those calls when you would dial up an agent in another market and you were looking to create one of these relationships? Yeah, I mean, you know, it goes something like, you know, hey, you know, this is Hudson with Keller Williams down in Southwest Florida. And, you know, you don't know me and I don't know you. And yet I've been calling some agents in your area because we get a ton of people relocating here from you. And, you know, I just wanted to call and see if you had a referral partner in our area. Okay, well, nine out of 10 of them are going to say no. Well, great. Well, look, I want to apply for the job to be your referral partner because undoubtedly in the next year or two, you're probably going to come up with somebody who's either going to move here or be moving from here or maybe be picking up a second home or something. And I'd just love to be the phone number that you dial when you have someone like that. And then you let them say what they say. They'll either say yes, they'll say no, or they'll ask you some qualifying questions. And then it just went from there. But it was just introducing yourself and letting them know why you're calling, um, you know, and just kind of seeing where the conversation went. Cause again, some people are just gonna be like, what are you talking about? Okay, well that's fine. And then you'll have people who, you know, it's not that often that you're going to get somebody who actually says I've got somebody right now. And yet you are going to get people that are like, Oh man, you know what? Like a year ago I had somebody and I didn't refer them to anybody cause I didn't know who to talk to. You know, because I think a lot of agents don't realize what a great second stream of income sending out referrals can be. Because if you're getting, a, even if it's a smaller percentage, if you're getting a piece, I mean, that's still, that's a paycheck that you did nothing but connected somebody for. And so I think sometimes it's literally opening their eyes and having, having them have that moment where they're like, oh, that has come up multiple times and I guess I just left money on the table. 
Plus, you didn't do a great service to your client because they either went and got a random agent or you can get them one that you have a relationship with and know that you can keep tabs on and make sure they're taken care of. Hudson, this is really good. Uh, some of the things I picked up from your script were, uh, you mentioned the term referral partner. You want to be their referral partner. Uh, and you also mentioned you want to apply for that job. Uh, at, that was really sharp. I like that the terminology or the dialogue. Um, do you leave voicemails when you do that, or, or do you only talk to them if they pick up the phone? No, I would leave voicemails. I would just say that the, the challenge is, like, they're not usually going to call you back. <laughs> and yet, if you can get them on the phone, you can get a, you know, you can get a conversation. I would leave voicemails, though. Did you do a, a campaign where you would call more than once or send out mail or email or some other method to try to communicate with them? Did I? No. Should I have? And did I probably leave a lot of money on the table? Absolutely. Um, so I, I do. And that's something that I'm working in reverse on now with my database is that, you know, look, we've got all sorts of campaigns for past clients and potential clients. Well, why don't I have something for agents? And, and the reason that it's still kind of in the works is that I feel like it needs to be different because I will tell you, I am on email lists and call lists for some agents and I'm on the same list that their clients are on, and it's not relevant, so it's just annoying, and I don't want to be that. And so I think that it's, it's going to take some time, and I haven't climbed that mountain yet, of putting something together that won't just get deleted or unsubscribed from, at least from the most part. Let me try to recap what I've heard so far. So okay. uh, you had two different streams of getting these agent referrals. One was the, the generic call out to an area. You'd done the research first to make sure you knew where re relocation was coming in from. Then you right. did a generic blast, a, a phone blast, where you called out to that area and tried to make a connection with agents. That was one stream. The other stream was social media where you went out and you looked for the, the people that were really active in that social media mm -hmm. section, whatever, wherever you were, that group. And then you would make a contact with them. When you made a contact with the people in the social media, how would you go about it? Would you use the same script or the same approach as you did with the, the generic blast? Uh, not quite, because I feel like you have to remember, so it's in the name, social media. So let's just say hi first. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing. Like, all right, like, you know, you send them a message and just say, you know, hey, you know, I just, I wanted to introduce myself. I've noticed you're super active in the referral groups. And I, you know, I really, I just, I love what you're doing. And I just wanted to say hello and kind of get to know you. Like literally just like, not what can you do for me? Not even really what can I do for you? Just, hey, I've noticed you. I think it's great. Can we chat? You know, and most people will be pretty open to that. And then it's just really an organic. And, and that's a big thing for me. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't spend time with people that I don't genuinely want to spend time with. Like, that's just not how I choose to live my life. And so, you know, I, I look to build truly real relationships. And I mean, like, like I'll give you, I mean, like, I've, I've built a lot of great relationships in this industry, especially over the past few years since making this a bigger part of my business. And I mean, Look, I got married this March and there were probably 30 agents at the at my wedding from out of the area because that's how real our relationship and our friendship is. Like it was literally a giant portion of my guest list. <laughs> so, um so everything I do like it's genuine. Like I'm if if I get to know you and I realize I don't think that we're like a cultural fit or there's not like a real anything there, then I'm just going to kind of let that die, <laughs> you know. 
So I think that's a big part of it too, is not trying to force things. I think that I think that the average realtor in general has a tendency to come from like a scarcity mindset. Like, where's my next deal? Where's my next deal? And and I get it because we've all been there. And yet, I, I I think when you're able to let that go and realize that it's okay if you don't connect with every client, vendor, or other agent, and it, it's okay to actually work with people and and live your life with people that you enjoy. I, I there's there's a lot of success that comes from that. And it's, it's, it's a mind shift that somebody has to get to. So yeah, I just, I, I don't do anything but authentic relationships. Same thing with my clients. Like I don't, I don't work with people that I don't want to work with. You know, I know that might rub some people the wrong way. I just, I, I, that's not how I choose to live. So now a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. I think most people are in the same boat as you. <laughs> yeah. We, we like to deal with people that we like. Yeah. Of course. Completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, on the agent referrals, because this is really neat how much of a, your business is agent referrals. That's why I'm going so deep on this. Yeah, no, I appreciate um, it. I, I'm thinking you might have mentioned it. Is there another stream of leads that are coming in from, say, conferences, national conferences? You're going out where you're meeting other agents. Would that be I would source? say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty visible in general. Again, I do, I do travel and teach uh, fairly often, um, and I coach as well. And you know, and just in general, I go to the, again, I'm with a large company. And so most of the large companies have national events. Like I go to all of them really, unless there's some major reason I can't make it. And you know, those are, those are huge opportunities. Like those are always a huge opportunity to learn. They're also a huge opportunity to network. And I just think that, you know, look, not everybody's going to go as deep into this as, as I did and that's okay. And yet if you're part of some big national company or even organization, it could just be the National Association of Realtors. It could be your state association. It could be some sort of sub, you know, like the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate. Like, it could be anything. Like, if you're going to go to those things anyways and be a part of those things, like, why would you not use it as an opportunity to network? Because you don't have to do 50 referral deals a year. And if you did five or six a year, I mean, that's a lot of extra money in your pocket. And it's really doesn't take a lot of effort. And you know, I, I have people will, that'll ask me because they know where my business comes from, like, well, go oh, gosh, like you're paying an average of 25% of your commission on every deal. And I'm like, who cares? Like that's business that's coming to me. Like, that's, that's time I don't have to spend talking to strangers. That's, that's time I don't, you know, that's also they're much easier to convert because they're always coming with some sort of connection. So like, I don't have to start from scratch with these people. Like to me, that's worth 25% all day long. I mean, you have agents that pay Zillow and Realtor and all these other companies obscene amounts of money with no guarantee. Like I don't pay a referral unless I get paid myself. So, you know, for me, it's like low risk and I still consider it a low cost. So it's just something that's worked for me. When we first went down this uh, path, I, I imagine some people were thinking about relocation and relocation companies. Of course, they charge quite a bit more than the 25%. Oh, my Lord, yes. Um, have, 
have you worked with relocation companies as well, or is have you avoided that because of the high fees and, and this is a better model for you? I have worked with them on occasion, like essentially accidentally. Like I've, I have met people, picked, they've wanted to work with me and then told me they're a refer, they're, they're have a relocation package and there's hoops you can jump through to get approved for the different companies. Um, and so I've done it in those instances because at that point I'm like, all right, well, I've already put time into the relationship. And yet I, I don't, I don't work with any of them regularly. I, you get, I've always been asked when I've done a deal with one of them and I just, I, it's, they take my experience with referral re- relocation companies is that they take a very high percentage, close to half of the commission and they expect you to do double the work. They, there's a lot of paper shuffling that you have to do on top of your regular job that I'm sure has a reason for them and yet comes off completely unnecessary to me. And I just, I don't want to do more work for less money. That just doesn't click well in my brain. So I have dealt with them before. It's definitely not like an arm of my business though. The agent referrals, you mentioned that you send out a lot of agent referrals and that that's another income stream and part of your business. Uh, could you quantify that for us as far as referral fees coming into your business? Could you tell us approximate hmm. number of referral fees that come in or a dollar amount that comes in? Give people a scale. I would say I probably make, it's much less than what I take in because we're, so many people come here, not as many people leave. Um, I probably make between thirty dollars and $40,000 a year off sent referrals. Um, I, just, I just always ask. I mean, I I all. I sell a lot of, you know, I work with a lot of buyers. I also, we also list and sell a lot of homes too. And often they are moving out of the area. Um, so I always ask if they have a connection and look, I'm not a shark. If they have somebody that they've worked with up there before and they're happy, I'm look, I'm not going to push them to use somebody that I know. If they know no one though, then I'm absolutely going to at least offer to connect them with somebody so that they can not meet a complete stranger. So. Sure. So yeah. a simple question is adding two, three, four thousand dollars a month to your income stream. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is. It's like not only is it a simple question, like again, like what value are you providing people? Like if somebody is moving out of your area and they are going to buy a property, they are going to use a realtor. So do you want them working with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing because they just drew a name out of a hat? Or do you want to make sure that you vet somebody out for them? Because I do like, unless I already know somebody in the market, like I'm going to talk to two or three agents minimum and make sure that they actually know how to sell a house and there's a personality fit. And so, you know, again, it's that one simple question not only makes you extra money, you're serving your client and it's probably going to make you extra money down the road because all you're doing is further cementing a relationship. So not only if they ever come back, are they going to work with you again? If they know people in other areas, they're going to know that you set them up with somebody out of area. Well, you could probably do that for their friends. And so it just becomes a bit another way of offering service and training people to always think of you when they think of real estate, because that's really our number one job. Like we can pound pavement and pick up strangers all day long. And yet that's exhausting. And that's why people burn out. If we just love on the people that we're already working with and we treat them with respect and offer them value, like they will escalate our careers. Like they will take us to the levels we want to hit. It's a much easier way, in my opinion, of doing the business. Uh, For sure. Um, 
Uh, you mentioned you have a lot of these relationships now. A lot of people came to the wedding as an example. If you had yeah. to quantify how many of these relationships that you have out there with agents across the country, how many is it? Could you ballpark it? I mean, gosh, yeah. Like what level do you cut it off? I mean, I probably have 30 to 40 people that like, if I call, they're going to answer the phone. I talk to them probably once a week. And I'm not talking about an in-depth conversation, but some sort of exchange of some way. Um, I mean, I've got, I'm sure, I mean, thousands of agents who would at least recognize me because I've been purposeful about it. So it's like, where do you start? Like, you know, there's like the deep relationships. There's the, you know, there's probably a hundred or so that aren't deep. And then there's the ones that like are really are kind of more random and yet like they, they recognize my name. They know where they work. They know where I work. Um, you know, and that's definitely come over time. Have you created a, a database of these agents that are, have been referring back and forth? I am in the process of that. Yes. I, uh, I, I have them all haphazardly done. And I'm in the process of cleaning that up so that um, I can keep better track and also search easier because if somebody calls me, like I can't memorize everything. So a lot, like I had somebody ask me about, I don't remember what, they asked me about the most random city I had never heard of in my life before. And I kind of looked on a map and I was like, oh, this might be so-and-so. And I reached out to her and she was like, yep, that's actually where I live. I was like, oh, great, I'm glad I looked. <laughs> so that's the next thing that I'm working to figure out the easiest way to do it um, is to set up some sort of way where I can search by city and figure out who I know there. Because, you know, it's easy to remember big cities. It's easy to remember people that I talk to on a regular basis. And then there's all these people that just like, whatever, my brain's only so big, like I can't remember everything. So, um, so yeah, I'm working on kind of a work in progress. Uh, very good. Very good. Well, Hudson, thank you for walking down that path with yeah. me. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit now and talk about another big piece of your business, which I think is just over 40, maybe 45%. And that's repeating referrals from your past clients, your sphere of influence, the people yeah. that are there in your local market. Uh, could you tell us, uh, first of all, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? Um, we our, our true MET database is probably, I think it's just under 900. So, um, so that's about what, and we have a much larger one that we market to, and yet it's different. Those are a lot of like kind of random people. Um, so a little under 900 and yeah, you know, we, look, we, nothing we do is really groundbreaking. Um, you know, we send out a monthly email. We attempt to always make it of actual value. And then we, you know, we do a lot of client events and not even a lot. Like, I mean, we do probably four a year. So quarterly we do client events. Um, you know, that's, that's been a big thing for us. And the, the thing about that, that again, like my learning curve with that was that it's not about the event. It's never about the event. It's very easy to take it personal when people don't show up or don't RSVP or ask why you're even inviting them that, the end of the day, whether you get three people to show up or 3,000 people to show up, holding a client event is, is about just that. It's about that it exists. You invited them, and if you did it right, you invited them mul multiple times, and there was different media. You emailed, you text, you called. Um, and then after the event, it's thanking the people that showed up and reaching out to everybody who didn't come and just letting them know how much you missed them. Like, 
that I think where agents trip up and either are afraid to host events because of the rejection factor, or they're like, oh my God, it's going to be so much money. Like they don't have to be fancy and, and you learn to do things that are scalable so that it doesn't matter how many people show up, like the cost will be relative. Um, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's about the contacts and it's about offering that value. Um, we do giveaways too, you know, and it's most of the time it's not, you know, I'm not giving away cars and vacations. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's an added value. It's like, Hey, you send out an, you know, we'll do them randomly sometimes. I mean, look, we'll send out an email and say, Hey, tomorrow between the hours of 12 and six, call into this number, we're going to confirm your contact information and we're going to enter you to win whatever we're giving away that day. Or if I, you know, literally I've, I've just seen good deals on things before. Like you're at the, we have a big outlet mall by us. Like I walked by and there was some ridiculous deal on some, I forget, maybe coach, I don't know, some fancy brand. And it was like on purses, they were like 20 bucks. So I'm like, all right, let me buy five of those. And then it was like, you know, you reach out to everybody who either is female or has, has a female in their household. And it was like, hey, the first five of you to review us on Zillow, you've got this for free. Come get it. They don't need to know what I paid for it. Um, all they know is that I'm offering them something for free. And, you know, usually if we're doing a giveaway type thing, we make them do something for us in order to have that opportunity. So and sometimes it is just as simple as literally like, hey, we're cleaning up our database, so we want to confirm, confirm all your contact info. Sometimes it is like, go review us. Sometimes it's, you know, we'll do a push for every referral you give us for this week span. You get, like, there's just, so we come up with different ways to just, you know, the events are always about just, hey, there's no, ul no ulterior motive, show up, this is just for you. When we do giveaways, it's, hey, this is for you, also do something for us. And that way they always feel appreciated and also you're, still, you're continuing to train them that real estate means you, real estate means you. I always want referrals, I'm never too busy, all of that stuff. Like you're literally training them. That's really neat. Uh, thank you for, for walking through that. And so that sounds yeah. like that's your marketing plan for the year. Uh, is that's to the bulk of it, I mean, Look, if we're behind, we'll get on the phone and call the expires and the for sale by owners. And yet, that's not where I really want to spend my time. Like, I don't like getting yelled at more than anybody else. So, um, yeah, we've just, we've really, and we've shifted to that. Um, and yet, the past, you know, couple of years or so, it's been a really big push towards just let's continue to work with the people we already know, we already like, and they like us. And life has been much easier and less stressful since we made that the main focus of our business. Very good. The, the newsletter that you're sending out, uh, is that something you create in-house or is it something that you purchased and you're repurposing and sending out? Uh, it's like a hybrid. Like we'll, we take something that's already created and we'll usually change some of the content because we want to make some of it hyper-local. Like again, we want to be, and it's not like we have our structured, like we're going to reach out once a month no matter what. In addition, to that though we also like look if like there's a new community that just got announced in our area we caught wind of it really early and so we sent it out to our database like we want to make sure if it's about real estate or anything even real estate related that they hear it from us and so we we do use a lot of canned so to speak stuff because we don't need to reinvent the wheel and yet we will edit it to make sure that that our footprint's on it and that we've added something of some sort of local value do you recall where you're getting the canned newsletter? 
Yeah, same thing. It's through our company. I mean, and so I think again, anybody who's with any of the national or international firms, I'm sure I would I would imagine, <laughs> I'm I'm sure they have marketing material that's ready to go, and all you have to do is put your information in. And with our company, everything is editable, so we can also go in and change some of the content and not have to start from scratch. On the four events that you're putting on each year, what are the themes of those events and approximately what time of year are they happening? Uh, the, the themes change. We, I, so that, that's not like a set thing. We, um, we do them once a quarter. So it kind of depends on what we decide to do. Like, what's the last? The last one we did, um, it, was, it was summer. So we did, we did a local brewery. So we had a three-hour window or maybe it was just two hour. I can't actually remember. That's funny. Uh, two or three hour window, probably more like two. We try not to make them too long because A, we don't want to go crazy and B, like let's, it usually creates more urgency. And it was, you know, look, come, we'll, we'll buy you a beer. We had a giveaway going. We had some food there. Like just super simple. We made sure we did it. I mean, it's a brewery, there's alcohol. And yet it was a super family friendly place. Um, you know, like they literally have a whole section of games and stuff for kids. Like it's designed, it's in a very working class area. It's designed for families, not just adults. Um, you know, so we did something there. Um, we, at least once a year, we do an ice cream social. I mean, it's the silliest, easiest thing ever. And I mean, it costs you depending on, you know, ask for a deal. Like the brewery, what we paid is less than what normal customers paid for each drink. The ice cream place, like we got a discount and all they had to do was say they were with us. At the end, they gave us a tab. So we didn't have to commit to $300 worth of stuff. It was who's going to show up and then we got a bill. And so it just, they become very inexpensive and don't be afraid to, you have to remember that again, it's giving and getting value. Like if you're going to host an event and they don't need to know how many people are coming, if you're going to host an event at a business, you ask for a deal. And if they don't give you one, you go to the next business. Like, because it's not hard for, to get a deal. I mean, they will, they want you to bring new people in. And so that's what they tend to be. Like we've done events at bowling alleys before. We'll, you know, we'll rent off whatever section they can close and, you know, we'll, we'll have families come in to, but we try almost everything we do is family friendly because we don't want to be exclusionary. Um, so yeah, it depends. I mean, we've done baseball games before, um, cause we've got a couple of fields here that the major teams use for spring training. So, um, it's pretty cost effective for us and yet it's still major, major teams that people get to go see. Yeah. It's stuff like that. You know, we'll do, um, we'll do a pie giveaway near Thanksgiving. Um, you know, and they've got the same thing, make it scalable. Don't buy 900 pies because you have 900 people, you'll die. Like you, you make them register. They have to commit to that. They're going to come on whatever day between whatever hours. And so you just pay for what you need to pay for. And so there's, it's just, to me, it's just, it's become such a cost effective way to get business because, you know, for the little bit that I spend, I mean, it never, I would never get the results that I get if I was paying for leads with that money. So why not just add value and fun to people's lives and ours? We have fun there too. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. So thank you for telling us about the event. <clears throat> you mentioned earlier the, the giveaways. I just want to let everybody know, remind them that they need to look at their local rules and laws about doing that. Yes. Do not get caught up. Yeah. There, trust me. There's always a way to do it. Like if you want to give stuff away, there is a way to do it. And yet, yeah, you've got to watch your verbiage and everywhere is different. So I'm not even going to, 
attempt to be that expert. And yeah, there, there's, there's an easy way. You can always give stuff away. Sure. Let's do this. Let's, let's uh, switch gears and talk about your team. Uh, you've got yep. some folks that are around you. They're helping you out. You're working together. So yep. uh, tell us, uh, who are the people on their team? And what we're looking for, by the way, right now is a structure. So we're looking for titles, responsibilities. Yep. Uh, give us a quick outline of the team. So, so we have myself, obviously. Um, we have a director of sales um, who essentially kind of wears a lot of hats. Like they're doing training, they're doing, um, you know, they're doing training. They're also producing. They're they're kind of a hybrid role. Um, we have a client. We have a client care coordinator, and th that person is essentially a transaction coordinator and a listing manager rolled into one. Um, so, in other words, if myself and the other couple of agents on the team, like we're not. We are not here to spend time pushing paper or entering listings into the MLS. And it's, and it's not being above that. It's we have a dollar per hour wage. I mean, we do. Like, it's calculate. You can calculate it. And so if something we're doing is less than that dollar an hour, well, then we need someone to delegate it to um, because that's their wheelhouse. They're going to get it done quicker. It allows you to either work more and get another deal or spend time with your family and not work 80 hours a week. And so that's kind of how we're structured. And then I have two agents that work with me as well. Very good. Thank you. Uh, people always ask when they're putting together teams, they get a little confused and frustrated and want an answer about what other people are doing as far as compensation for their agents that they're bringing in. Could you give us your structure, give us some idea of what you're doing there? Yeah, so I'm hesitant to say salaries because honestly, that's going to be designated by your area. What I will say is that anybody who is paid a salary on my team is salary plus bonus. I don't pay anybody a high end of the salary spectrum because, and I've been very blessed with the people who have worked with me, and yet I've seen it go the other way many times. You, even if you're not hiring somebody in sales, you need somebody who's willing to help the team succeed because you are in sales. And your team is in sales. And so always, anybody who's on salary, a big part of their compensation is tied to bonuses. Because if we're not doing well, then sorry, they're not doing well either. Because at the end of the day, if we're really struggling, like, and they know when I hire them, like, if we're having an off month, you're lead generating too. Because guess what? You've got the time. So, um, and we don't have jobs if we don't have leads and business. So, um, so everybody is salary plus bonus. And as far as, you know, commission, it's, it depends on the deal. Like we have a sliding scale. So it depends on if it's a buyer or seller, the, the agent takes less on listings because quite frankly, the team has more expenses and the listings are less work. Like just literally time on task. Like for every three listings, that's about the time that you're going to spend with one buyer. And so the split's less. And then we also have different splits if it's we had a hand in getting them the lead or they truly got it on their own. Like it was their uncle, it was their open house they were holding or, hey, this is a referral that I got and I passed it on. Or, hey, this is my past client and it's a buyer and I don't have time right now, so here you go. So there, there's different splits that way too. I think that, I think it's very important if you're, first of all, if you're looking to grow a team for the love of all things holy, please don't hire agents before you hire administrative leverage. You are so much, and I know it's, 
terrifying to take on a salary. And yet if you're truly there, if you're at a point in your business where you feel like you can't get any further without some help, the agent is not the answer. You can double and even triple your production with a great, great administrative assistant. Um, once you've got there, okay, then depending on your business structure, it's either time for a second administrative person or an agent. When you hire an agent, don't give them the moon right off the bat. And in fact, like for me, if I'm meeting with an agent and, and if, the first, if, if on the first meeting they start talking about splits left and right, I already know that that's not the right person because that's, that's somebody who is only concerned about themselves and somebody who right off the bat doesn't see the value of joining a team and kind of just thinks that's the thing that they should do. Um, and I avoid that like the plague because that's somebody that's going to – making a bad hire is just – it's the worst thing in the world. Um, not only does it obviously cost you money, the, the time that you will put into somebody to have to either get rid of them or have them go within a matter of months, it's, it's just awful. It's, it's very draining. And so, you, you know, I, I've just always subscribed. Well, not always. I have the last few years definitely reminded myself to hire slow, no matter the position, and fire fast. If you, don't, if you have somebody that you know is not a fit, tomorrow is not a better day than today to get rid of them. Um, and you've got to meet with somebody more than once before you hire them. Anybody can impress you once. Um, we make people test before they get it. Like, look, if you're a new agent, we expect you to spend time on the phone in the first few months at least, like cold calling, because you've got to build business, right? I'm not just going to hand you everything. So guess what? Before we hire you, like, you're picking up the phone and making a call while I stare at you. Because if you, cause if you can do that and you can get through that, and I don't really care if you're good at it, I just care if you're willing to do it. And, you know, and I will tell you, most people won't. They'll literally say, you know what, this isn't for me. Well, great. I just saved myself a bunch of time and money. So, and them too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I also feel like too many people get into real estate that probably shouldn't have gotten into real estate. And that's not, I don't say that to be snooty. I say that because not everybody's cut out for everything. I certainly don't think I would ever be a doctor or a lawyer. Like, not everybody's built to do everything. And so... I, feel, I would much rather be honest with a newer agent and tell them they're probably in the wrong place than have them drain all their savings, not to mention my time and money, and to just go get another job later. Like, I just feel like it's, it's a disservice to people to let them believe that they're cut out for something that they're not. Hudson, on the, the splits for your agents, whether it was a buyer or seller, could you give us that range? Like there was one if they self-generated and it was a different number if uh, the, the team had generated that lead. Yeah, listings are either, again, lower or higher. They're 30 or 40% to the agent. Buyers are 40 and 50%. Because that's another mistake that people make. And, and, and I promise you, I don't need to know what area you're in. Like you're... There are people, there's always somebody that's paying even lower of a split. The, the splits are relevant. And you want people on your team that understand the splits are relevant. Because at the end of the day, the net matters. And there are plenty of teams where the average agent on the team sells one or two houses a year. I mean, I, if, if you can prove that you can get them X amount of money, like you've got to find out what their financial goals are and build from there. If all they're worried about is splits, they're, they're not a big thinker. And that's not somebody, at least for me, that I want in my organization. Like, I want somebody who sees the big picture. Absolutely. Thank you for, for uh, sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, Hudson, uh, 
people are listening to your, your marketing plan, your team, and they've got a question out there, and that is, are you profitable? Uh, no, not at no, all, of course. Yeah, no, I, we, are, we are profitable. Um, we, I, we run as a, like my team alone, um, probably runs at, it hovers every month, and yet it's about 40% profit, um, which based off most models is about where it should be. Um, we've had better months, we've had some that are worse. Um, yet at the end of every year, we're, we're landing right at about 40%. Yeah, that's pretty good. Are you in production? Yeah, I'm absolutely still in production. I, I mainly work with, unless it's a weird situation, I pretty much only work with sellers because I travel a lot to coach. Um, and yes, I'm still in production and I don't really, I don't really see the day that I'll say I'm out of production. I feel like I don't, have to, I don't have to sell all the homes. I don't have to be the number one salesperson on the team. And yet I feel like it's pretty difficult for me to coach and train people if I'm no longer doing what they're doing because the basics never change, but the market does. The market does, the, um, the how does. And so I, I, I feel it's pretty important to stay connected, at least on some level, and continue to be out there with everybody else. Very good. Hudson, what drives you? Um, gosh, what drives me? I mean, my family drives me. I, I have a strong urge to succeed. And I really, my, my biggest reward in anything that I do is, is helping somebody grow. Like I, I've come a long way in my life. And I, I think that most people, especially in our society, I feel like we, we live in very small boxes. And Anytime I can help somebody think bigger, do bigger, act bigger, and change their life in a positive way, because that always changes their life in a positive way. I mean, th that's where I really, and that's why I've gone into coaching as well as just sales, because I really, I've gotten where I am through a series of really awesome coaches. Like I, I'm a firm believer in always having a coach and pretty much anything that you're going to do at a high level doesn't have to be work. It doesn't have to be a sport. It doesn't have to be acting. I mean, if you want to get super physically fit, are you going to figure it out on your own or do you need a trainer? Well, you probably need a trainer. So, you know, to me, it's like, like I think that coaches are so important and I would not be where I am if I didn't have a lot of good ones in my life. And so, uh, yeah, that's where I, that, and that's really the reason I started a team too, because anybody watching who has had a team and not had a team, like you're usually more profitable without them. Um, and yet, you know, it gives you leverage and like, I, I get to help people succeed in a way that they probably wouldn't have on their own. Cause not, it, it's, it's difficult to succeed alone. Hudson, if there was an agent listening and they want to learn more about your coaching program, is there a place that they could do that or somewhere they should call or how would they move forward? Um, they could just reach out to me direct, honestly, and I'm happy to answer any questions that they've got. Um, they can... They can find me on Facebook because there are just not that many people named Hudson Warren, um, and I come up pretty easily. Um, they can email me, and that's just Hudson at HudsonWarrenTeam.com. Very good. Now, Hudson, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Okay, so I would tell them to figure out what their goals are, like literally, like take the time to do that because they don't when they're new. Like, how much money, and don't think small, and yet don't throw out ridiculous numbers that have no meaning to you. Like, how much money do you want to make in your first year? Okay, cool. Come up with a business plan for that. And business plans do not have to be 65 pages long. 
it does not have, you can do a one pager, you can do what, what I always call a one, three, five, which is okay. This is what I want to achieve. Here are the three main avenues I'm going to take to get there. And within each of those, here's the five strategies. Like you can do a very simple business plan and then be in relation with that business plan and be willing to do what needs to be done to get there. Like if you, you have to have a goal, it has to be written and you have to chunk it down in order to make it palpable. Because I, I, I think that people, people just get so freaked out about, you know, look, if they've had your average Joe job and they get into real estate and they want to make a hundred grand, which is a lot of money if you've only ever made 40 or 50 grand, like it seems overwhelming. And yet in real estate, it's super simple. Even if you're in a lower price point market, all you need to do is chunk it down so that you know what you need to do every day, every week, every month. And you're golden. Like it really is that simple. And I feel like most agents skip that part. They skip the goals. They skip the business plan. They just start working. And I think the other thing is, and within that, like they kind of go together is don't, I think the biggest pitfall for agents is attempting to be great at everything. I have news for you. You're just not going to be. And so find or pick the two to three things that you either think you'll be great at or are great at or are passionate about whatever it is that could potentially make you money in real estate and just focus on those things. Like once you master those things, then you could add a third and a fourth and a fifth and that's fine. But like everybody's, you know, these new agents come in and they want to do expireds and for sale by owners and they want to do open houses and they want to get all these online leads and they want to farm and they want to do this. And I'm like, oh my God, like how many hours are in your day and how much money is sitting in your bank account? And that's the other thing, like lead with revenue. If you're a new agent and you don't, aren't blessed enough to have like a fat savings, well, be smart. Like the phone is free. Open houses are free. Um, going door to door is free. Like don't put yourself out of the business before you've even gotten into it by assuming that you have to spend a ton of money because you do not. Like you do not have to run to Zillow and Realtor. You do, you do not have to buy your business. You can absolutely just go out there and get it and it just takes meeting people. Um, so that's, that's what I would tell them is get a plan, follow it and don't overcomplicate things like pick two or three things that you're just going to go after at a very high level and don't do anything else until you get great at those. Very good advice. Very good. Uh, Hudson, uh, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Uh, no, I mean, I think I've, I've said enough. I, I think the only other thing that I would say, and more specifically to like a newer agent or a new agent. Um, is that I would remind them that 70% of what is said in confidence will be believed. And so the number one thing I hear from a new agent is, oh, I just, I don't have any experience. I'm new. Da, 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 da. Trust me, if that's what you're putting out there, that's what they're going to see. If you walk into a room or if you're hosting an open house and you've got good posture and you're well-spoken, and I don't care if they ask you 10 questions and you only know the, know the answer to one of them, as long as your answer to the other ones is, you know what? That's a great question. I'm going to have to get back to you. Like if, if you just carry yourself with confidence and if you actually listen to people, it will never matter that you're new. Like I have met agents. I mean, I did well pretty quickly. I have met agents who have made a million dollars in their first year and it wasn't handed to them by their family business or anything. Like they just went in with no fear and that fear is a choice. Um, so just 
if whatever you have to do to psych yourself up, if you're going to be in front of somebody and you're brand new and you're worried about them knowing that you're new, all you need to do is find a way to be confident and you're good. You're golden. Like I, I, it's, it really is that easy. And I think that most agents, it's like a dog can smell fear. And I think that your clientele, whether they know you already or they're a stranger can smell if you don't know what you're doing. And yet you don't have to know what you're doing to stand and speak confidently. So just start there and eventually you will know what you're doing and you won't have to look up the answers. It, it's, it's really quite simple. So don't be your own worst enemy, basically. Very good. Well, Hudson, thank you so much for joining us on Success Calls. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.